everybody. Welcome to GRE Bytes. Uh, I'm Davis with over 10 years of experience in education. And I'm Orion, founder of Stellar GRE. We're here to bring you your weekly bite-sized episode on GRE prep and grad school admissions. For more information, check us out at StellarGRE.com. Okay, so topic today, we've talked in a previous episode about uh, accuracy versus efficiency and keeping, we've talked about the time element, the pressure of time. Um, we haven't talked about any specific strategies yet about when, when you're taking the GRE test and you're aware of the time, but you know, you practice test after practice test, you just keep coming up short on time, not able to finish sections. Mm-hmm. Very um, common problem. You know, what are ways to just stop letting the time bleed away? Excellent question. So as I've mentioned in previous episodes, the time constraint really is the most challenging aspect of this test. If you had all the time in the world, this would be a significantly easier assessment. The fact of the matter is that on some level, if you can't answer that question in 90 seconds or less, you kind of can't answer that question. So that's something that right off the bat I want to point out to students is that practicing one-off untimed questions is probably not a good idea with respect to your GRE prep because it can give you a false sense of confidence. Mm -hmm. It's nice to feel that we can do it. That's kind of a good ego boost. We want to we feel like knowing how to do it is is sufficient, mm-hmm. but it's actually um, not because when you put that question with 19 others in a section that you have to complete in 35 minutes or less, it's a totally different game. And if you haven't been prepping with those constraints on your behavior from the beginning, it's going to feel very, very different. And, and so you're kind of rehearsing for um, non-valid conditions, which are going to detrimentally impact your score in the long run. So. Don't do one-off untimed questions, too long to read. So, okay, yeah, so first first point off the bat is the way you practice, right? You're saying don't, don't practice, don't have a habitual practice, even though it feels good to know that you know how to do a problem. Mm-hmm. Don't do one question at a time. And you're, you've also said like, okay, 90 seconds per question. But I know in a previous episode you talked about not, not being so focused on 90 seconds for every single question, but you're checking in like every four or five minutes. It's true. So we don't want to micromanage ourselves per, from question to question when we're taking the full 20 problem set. The 90 second rule of thumb is like you kind of can't do it. You know, mm-hmm. that's something that you should be shooting for in general mm-hmm. with the understanding that some questions will take more than 90 and some questions will take less than 90. So it's it's not a hard and fast rule. It's more of a rule of thumb. You, you want to be able in general to do questions in 90 seconds or less or you, you can't really say to yourself, I've mastered this concept or I've mastered this question type. Mm-hmm. Does that clarify things? Yeah, no, that does. But in terms of like, you know, because time is all you've already said, like time is the most kind of challenging aspect of the test. So yep. if you're if you're if you're practicing and you're practicing sets of 20 questions mm-hmm. in 35 minutes, so you're not getting into the habit of one off. Um, but you're still just like running short on time, running short on time. It's like, you know, it's like medical, you know, stop the bleeding. So you got to identify where the wound is. Mm-hmm. So what are the common, like, you know, high uh, time drain issues that people have? Yeah, because that's a very common problem that people are trying their hardest to get through full quantitative sets. And they're still coming up, you know, five questions, six questions short sometimes. It can be very frustrating and demoralizing for students. And what I've discovered is that there's really five primary culprits of time sink on the quantitative section. 
And whenever I'm working with a student and he or she is having difficulty answering all the questions from the time of, these are the usual suspects. Okay. I just go down this list. And generally, if a student can attend to all five of these potential culprits, he or she's going to have a much easier time uh, answering all the questions from the time of moving forward. You ready? Yeah. What are these five? Okay. Number one, first and foremost, are rabbit holes. Rabbit holes. Rabbit holes are what I call when a student ends up sinking five, six, seven, eight minutes into a single question. Mm -hmm. I call them rabbit holes is because they, it's kind of a sunken cost thing. They get into it. They think they can answer it. Three minutes have passed. They think, well, I, I have to get it right now or else I will have wasted those three minutes. They invest another two minutes and they like, ah, right. five minutes. I really have to get the question right now. Right. And so sometimes it could be five, six, seven, eight, ten minutes on a single problem. I've seen that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really, really important. You can do that once, maybe you can get to a, you can spend five minutes on one problem, maybe if it's the last problem that you're attending to mm -hmm. and you've been very efficient to the other ones, but this is not certainly something that you can't do repeatedly over the course of a given set. So at what point do you, do you uh, pump the brakes and you're just like, mm -hmm. this question's taking too long. Let me just come back to it at the end if I have time. Yeah, my line in the sand is three minutes. So if after three minutes you don't have a solution to a given problem, you should make an educated guess. Shouldn't be totally random at that point. An educated guess based on the work you've done thus far. And then you move on with your life. But you, you don't, make a guess, you don't just leave it. You definitely never leave a question blank because you can't lose points in the jury. You just fail right. to gain them. Right. So there's no reason not to at least, you know, throw something and see if it sticks, right? So you, but the point is, is that you make an educated guess and you move on. You don't tag it in your mind and think, oh, I'll come back to this later. Right. That's done. You know, we're, we're rolling that up in a carpet and driving to the bridge and we're never talking about what happened here again. You know, we're not, we're not coming back to the scene of the crime. <laughs> so the, the, the first one is just stop the, uh, don't fall down any rabbit holes. So no rabbit holes. Really being disciplined about that three minute uh, line. Yeah. Okay. All right. Number two. Number two is double checking or triple checking your work. So just, just you should already have the confidence. You do the question once you move on. Well, that is a different question. Whether or not you have the confidence is kind of irrelevant because that's a felt emotional state. And that's actually why students do a lot of these time bleedy behaviors is they're actually trying to feel more confident. I personally would also feel more confident if I double checked or triple checked my work to make sure I didn't make any careless errors. Mm -hmm. The issue is what's the likelihood that I am going to catch a careless error in that double check versus that's another 60 seconds that I could have used to solve half of the problem. If I'm doing that multiple times over the course of a set, that's how I'm not getting to three, four questions within, within mm -hmm. the time limit. Mm -hmm. So whether or not you feel conf confident, I'm just suggesting that you don't have time to double check or triple check. If you do, that's that accuracy versus efficiency game that we were talking about in a previous episode. Mm -hmm. Your accuracy might go up, but I would think kind of negligibly, um, but your efficiency is definitely going to go down. Right. So if you get to a solution, that's your answer. Okay. Cross your fingers. You're not going to know if you got it right or wrong anyway, so you might as well click that button and move on to the next question. Move on. All right. So one, no sunken cost fallacy, rabbit holes. Yeah. Two, no double checking, triple checking your work, trying to look for confidence, mm -hmm. reacting emotionally. Three. Three is what I call double solving. So this is a little bit different from double checking. Oh, like, okay. So for example, I have a number of really clever techniques to answer certain types of quantitative questions. And one of the, the most common ones is plugging in whenever there are variables in the answer choices. Mm -hmm. So instead of doing algebra, 
you pick numbers like two, three, and you kind of do the arithmetic instead. Mm -hmm. So double solving is, okay, a student plugs in like he or she, quote, is supposed to in the Stellar Method, and they get an answer, but then they think, well, let me just solve it algebraically as well, just to be sure that my clever technique still works with the, like, this problem. Exactly. So that it's not like they're checking their work for carelessness, but they're actually solving that question with two different strategies, plugging in and algebra. Mm -hmm. And so they're solving that question twice. If they're doing it on every problem, they're, they're actually trying to answer 40 questions within right. 35 minutes, which is less than a minute a problem. I mean, that's just not feasible mm -hmm. for anybody. Mm -hmm. So you can't double solve either. Okay. No double solving. Mm -hmm. Number three. Number four. Okay. I know I said five. I'm you trying did. to remember what the fifth one is because I have the fourth. So the, the, um, the fourth one is don't linger. Okay. Uh, lingering is different than rabbit hole because you're not emotionally committed. You're, uh, what's the emotional reason well, behind the, lingering? Well, the difference, well, it's also, it's, all of these are emotional coping strategies at the end of the day. Uh -huh. But the difference is with, with rabbit holes or double checking, you're doing something. With right. lingering, you're just kind of, it's like you solve the question, you think that it's C, it's like, and, then, and you sit there and you think, am I sure that it's C? Hmm, did I look at everything? Am I ready to move on? Is there anything else I have to do here? Okay, I think I'm ready to say it's C. Right. So you could spend like four or five seconds, but over the course of 20... Well, that was closer to 10 seconds. And then, you know, 20, yeah. do that 20 times, that's 200 seconds. That's close to three and a half minutes. That yeah. could be another two problems. That's right. So the question here is, once we get to a solution, we move on to the next problem with purpose and without hesitation. So it's like you do the math, the answer is C. C. Next. Shake the Etch-a-Sketch. It's done. Redo it. You yeah. click the button and you, you move on to the next question like before you even allow the opportunity to second guess what you've done. Gotcha. So you, got, you, you have to build momentum. You have to like keep a pace. You just keep, Oh, absolutely. Keep chugging. There is a pace that you tend to find once you get in the habit of answering all the questions within the time limit. Like for example, I generally spend about... 34 minutes answering those 20 questions when I take problem sets myself. Okay. You know, I never feel hurried because I'm reliably coming in between 33 and 34 minutes. Right. So I'm, I'm never running out of time. I'm coming close to the end, but I know that my pace is such that I always finish with about a minute left. And so I can kind of like trust that pace, which is about solving, which is about reading, which is about moving on for problems. It's not moving fast at all. I mean, if I really wanted to show off, I could probably answer the questions in half the time. But then, of course, I leave myself vulnerable to careless errors. Mm -hmm. So I dilate it and move kind of at a slow, constant pace that's still within the time limit, but that I feel like, you know, is consistent and without hesitation. Okay. So rabbit holes, avoid rabbit holes. Yep. Sunken cost. Two, you said, was double, like, uh, double checking, triple checking. Mm -hmm. Three was a little different, which is double solving using two different methods, mm -hmm. right? Four, you're saying lingering. It's like you're not actually doing anything, but you're still kind of running through some checklists in your head, yep. checking things out. You said there were five. Yes, thank you for doing that, because it gave me time to remember what the fifth one was, yeah, which is rereading problems. So you, you don't have time to be rereading and certainly re-rereading or re-re-rereading 
problems, especially if they're paragraph long. Yeah. So one of the things I talk about in my system is right. the benefit of continuous solving, which is something we'll probably have to talk about in another full episode. Yeah. But basically, it means that we solve as we go. Therefore, we don't spend two, three minutes just trying to understand the problem and how all the different moving parts fit together. We're doing the smallest next quantum of math all along the way. And so we never have to review problems. So those are the five primary culprits of time bleeding. If you can stop those five things, you're going to free up enough space to answer several more questions within the time limit. That's awesome. Guaranteed. That sounds great. Awesome. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody, and we'll be back next week for another bite-sized episode of GRE Bites. If you have a topic you'd like to discuss on a future episode, let us know at StellarGRE at gmail.com. And if you're interested in either GRE prep or grad school consulting, check us out at StellarGRE.com. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.